It is great to have everybody here this morning. We welcome you if you've been traveling because of the extended weekend. We're thankful for you to be able to stop in and to share some time with us. Uh, if you're watching online and because you have been traveling and you're already at the lake, I hope you get sunburned today. <laughs> enjoy yourself. No, enjoy yourself. Have a great time. And we are so glad that, uh, that you are joining us, even if it is even if it is from, from a distance. Um, our young adult and college students, many of them are off on a retreat this weekend, and so keep them in your prayers as uh, they are uh, traveling. They'll be getting back in town uh, tomorrow. So a lot of people just all over the place, and we know it's a huge travel week, so please continue to be in prayers for everybody as, um, as the traveling is going on. You know, I gotta admit, I did not plan on sharing this particular message today. I plan to begin a new series that was going to focus in on the importance of possessing a simple faith. I was looking forward to sharing with you about how that worshiping and serving God was a lot easier than oftentimes we make it out to be. And I was going to tell you that Christianity is, well, it's child's play. After all, the disciples, well, they were arguing once among themselves about who is the greatest of the kingdom of God. And Jesus brought a child and set that child in their midst and said, look, if you want to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven, if you want to engage in God's kingdom, then you need to change and you need to become like little children. And since our own children were going to be here in, in the room, on our months that have five Sundays, we're giving our Kids Praise volunteers a, a break, and it's a time for moms and dads and the kiddos to all be together at one time as we go through our message together. And since those kids were going to be in here, I was planning on incorporating them into the message so they wouldn't get too bored or, or unengaged. That's the kids, not the moms and dads, right? Uh, but everything was going to be focused about kidding around with our faith. That's what I wanted to do today. But the events of last week changed that. So I decided that we would spend just a few minutes sharing some final wisdom, wisdom that I hope that you can share with your children as they grow up and go off to whatever, to whatever comes next. You know, this past Tuesday in Uvalde, Texas, we were reminded that you cannot avoid evil. Can't avoid it. In this life, we're going to see, we're going to experience events that are unjust, events that are uncaring, unloving, and ungodly. We're going to experience events that stand in stark contrast to the moral fabric of our society and the righteous character of God. And often when we see these types of events, when we experience these things, it's going to be hard to put words in to adequately express both the reason and the results. And so the question then becomes, well, what do we do? Well, since we cannot avoid evil, I want to encourage you to prepare for it. Now, look, I'm not talking about hoarding food or ammunition. The Apostle Paul told Christians in Ephesus to prepare themselves for encounters with evil by covering themselves with truth and righteousness, with peace and faith and salvation. He recognized that while evil can manifest itself from time to time in our physical world, ultimately... The fight that we are engaged in is not against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers of this dark world, against the evil spirits in heavenly places. So we encourage those who are followers of Jesus to put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And that word evil there, it connotes 
pain and misery. It's this idea that, that there is hardship, that there is a great weight, that there is something happening that is not right, and it's going to leave the other individual, whoever it's happening to, it's going to leave them forever changed. But he says, you put on the armor of God so that you can resist those times and be able to stand firm. It's interesting, as you read through Scripture, you discover that Evil is just something that's assumed in Scripture. It's not something that's necessarily explained. We've heard before that Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, and we, we know that, but we like to think of that being, you know, we're not going to feel good after we get past 50. That's the trouble that Jesus was talking about, right? Um, we walk outside and our car doesn't start. Yep, Jesus said, in this world I'm going to have trouble. You know, you fail the test that you did not study for. In this world I will have trouble. That's what, that's what Jesus was meaning. At least that's what we thought. And then our phone alerts us to horror, pain, death. In this world, you will have trouble. So God says, prepare in advance. Because here's what's really going on. Every time you hear about a shooting, every time you read in the papers about a kidnapping, every time you hear about an accident on the freeway, every time you learn of ungodly ministers, every time you, every time you see a storm, every time you, you hear about a tornado that ravages a community, there is a battle that is taking place at that moment for your soul. There's a battle that's going on. It's a spiritual battle. You're focused in on the things that are physical. You're focused in on the things that are bringing the horror, the, the, the shame. You're, you're focused in on those things that are causing the hurt. But there's a spiritual battle that's taking place, and the prize is your soul. It's why the Apostle Paul urges us not to be overcome by evil. And the wording that he uses there implies a battle. He implies a battle saying, don't allow the events and actions of this world to poison your inner being. Instead, we are to repeat Psalm 23's declaration, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. I will fear no evil action. I will fear no evil person. I will fear no evil circumstance. Because God is with me. And look, Satan wants to distract us from God's constant presence. And so we have to prepare ourselves and we have to prepare our families in advance. Because events like this last week are horrible and Satan would love for the unprepared child of God to give in to despair and, and hopelessness. He would love for you to doubt. He would love for you to doubt God and question his love. He would, he would be thrilled if moments of calamity caused you to doubt God's character and for you to even ask, does God even care what's going on? You know, the disciples once asked Jesus that very question. I said, Lord, don't you care? Jesus had asked his students to join him on a field trip across the Sea of Galilee and suddenly a ferocious storm comes upon the sea. Luke described it in such a way by saying that the band of brothers were in great danger. There were high waves that were coming in over the boat, and the tiny ship was tossed, and the disciples were doing all they could to stay afloat. And Jesus 
Well, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And all of a sudden, the, the voices of Peter, James, and John joined with Matthew and Bartholomew and all the others who were on the boat, and they shouted at Jesus over the thunder and over the wind, Don't you care that we're about to die? They were beside themselves with panic. They were certain that it was the end and that this was an all-hands-on-deck moment. And it was time for everybody, including Jesus, to get up and do something. Teacher, don't you care if we? Each and every one of us could fill in that blank. We could all fill in the blank with something. Something that brings us pain, something that brings us hurt, something that we look at and say, it's just evil. And teacher, God, don't you care? Because this is an all-hands-on-deck moment. This is a time when somebody should do something. Somebody should rush in. Somebody should take care of the situation. Somebody should help. God, where are you? The disciples observed Jesus in action, and here's what they decided. They decided that he was not responding the way that he should. Why wasn't he bailing water? Why wasn't he frantically running from stem to stern? And their conclusion was, well, he just doesn't care. It's the same conclusion that I've seen people put on social media this week. It's the same conclusion that happens whenever there is tragedy across the city, across the country, across the world. There are those who just decide, you know what? God, if he even exists, just doesn't care. You see, the disciples allowed their panic and their pain to influence their perception of Jesus. They, they allowed what they were experiencing and what they were seeing to determine the way in which they viewed Jesus. And I don't know, maybe you've started to do the same. Maybe you have developed this helplessness that we spoke about earlier. After months of a pandemic, after dealing with rising inflation. By the way, you've seen how much gas is. Have you tried to buy a car these days? Right? Get an apartment. Buy a house. If you're selling a house, it's like, praise God, you from whom all blessings flow. Right? <laughs> but if you're trying to buy the house. <sighs> had any troubling pathology reports lately? Read the news about unrighteous pastors being caught up in a divided electorate, random violence, death. All of these things have just been building up, and have you begun to question God's goodness and God's concern? Have you kind of made up your mind how God should be acting and how he should be responding? It's really easy to do because our inability to control the situation begs us to question the one who controls the universe. We're like, we can't do it. God, certainly you can. And since nothing is happening, you must not care. Why, God, is this happening? I don't know of any question that's asked more this week, nor of any question that's more of an obstacle to belief. It's so persistent. The best of the prophets raised the very issue, but they had a little bit different slant on it. The prophet Habakkuk asked, must I forever see these evil deeds? Must I watch all of this misery? How many of you just turned the TV off this week? Anybody? Maybe you should have. Maybe you just set aside your news feed. It's like, do I have to keep watching this and listening? 
Jeremiah spoke for us when he challenged the Lord, saying, I would want to have a word with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? See, our why questions, they're, they're not just reserved for the events in Uvalde. Weeks like this just add to the questions that we're already asking. We've asked before, why is there so much pain in the world? Why did my father leave when I was only a child? Why is life on this earth so hard? Why did we lose another child? Why, why won't my husband realize our marriage is worth saving? Why do my parents always have to fight? Why do both of my children have cancer? Why do we have to endure this virus? All of our why questions, it takes us directly to our hurts and to our losses and to the pain that we have encountered because there's something that has impacted our life and it's so dramatic that everything just ends up in pieces and it seems like we can't put all the pieces back together and so we're at a loss to explain what happened and so we say, why God? But understand, when these questions come, and they will come, we have to do our best to avoid seeking and giving overly simplistic answers. Evil, pain, and suffering are a complicated mix of the human existence. Individual choices and satanic attacks and a devolving world have produced pain and heartache and leave us asking why. And the Christian response is not to simply give some simple reason, although there might come a time in order to share. But the Christian response is to weep with those who weep. And to show comfort and care for the afflicted. People who are going through pain need our love, not our logic. And our conversations, whether in person or on social media, should, to paraphrase the Apostle Paul, always be gracious and attractive so that we might have the right answer and right response for everyone. So prepare yourself in advance. Turn off the TV. Put down the news feed. And open your Bibles. Determined to be clothed in God's truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. Because you cannot avoid evil. But God says you can stand up to it. You can stand up to it. Look one more time at, at Paul's advice there. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist. And that word means to hold your ground, to keep your passion, to refuse to be moved. Put it all on, all the armor of God, so that you can resist the enemy in the time of evil. I understand that when we're confronted with situations like this, the natural response is to want to do something, right? We want to do something. But let me encourage you this morning to respond as a child of God and not as a child of this world. Can you do that? Respond to evil as a child of God, not as a child of this world. When Micah was in preschool, he had a friend one day that was pushed down on the playground pushed down by a fellow student who was much larger than she was. So Micah came home telling us all about the, the preschool gossip and everything that had taken place. And he also told us that he and one of his buddies had a plan. That if it happened again, well, they were going to take the preschool bully down. Now, when asked what all that implied, he said that they were going to tackle him and make him eat wood chips. Yeah. Tackle him. Make him eat wood chips. That's what we're going to do. You don't mess with my friend. Maybe you wish you could do that to some people. Maybe you said I'd do a lot more than make him eat wood chips. 
If that's how you react to injustice and pain, then let me ask you to listen to the directions of the Apostle Paul one more time. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Can I just let that sit there for a minute? Can you read that on the screen one more time? You say, but Chris, evil needs to be confronted and avenged. And I agree with you. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that a disciple of Jesus is to do the avenging. Actually, it says just the opposite. Again, listen to the Apostle Paul. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he is thirsty, you give him something to drink. <laughs> and we see that. You know what? First thing that comes to mind, that is so naive. I mean, it's just naive, right? I mean, that, that, just doesn't, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, where in the world did Paul get a crazy idea like that? I don't know. Jesus? In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his listeners, you have heard that it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, yeah, that's just, that's just common sense. That's kingdoms of this world 101. Make them eat wood chips. That's what we do. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Friends, when confronted with evil, it's a natural response to want to do something. But we don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, we don't want to pray for those who wish to harm us. At least we don't want to pray for their well-being. Oh, we'll pray for them. God smite them, right? All of a sudden, we get all Old Testament on people. That's, that's what we'll do for our enemies. And we certainly don't want to love those who are on the other side of an issue or debate. We want to strike back and we want to tear down. And we want to stuff wood chips in the evil's mouth. And so what we basically end up doing, we start to adopt the techniques and responses of our non-Christian friends and family. And we do this in ways that we think, well, these aren't really bad, bad things. These are, these are things that are good. And so we post and we tweet. We march and we boycott and we shout down and we cancel out and their methods become our methods because this is what you do to get heard and this is what you do to make a difference and to get change. And yet notice that Jesus prescribed two types of action. He said, I want you to love and I want you to pray. Now given some of the memes that I've seen this week on social media, I think it's important for us to understand that you do not have to abandon prayer in order to bring about change. At the same time, prayer and love must go hand in hand. Prayers for the hurting and the hurters are to be accompanied by loving response and action. And we are to love others, we are told, as Christ has loved us. It's not up to us how we demonstrate that love. We're told to love as Christ loved us. And Christ's love has always been active. And so James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the following hypothetical. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, 
Well, go in peace. Keep warm. Be well fed. And does nothing about their physical need. What good is it? He says, I'll pray for you, but I will not clothe or feed you. And James says, what good is that? What good is it? Guys, you want to do something in the face of evil? You pray and you love. You pray for God's healing and justice to be realized and you actively love others in the way God through Christ loved us. And you do this and Jesus says that then you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. This world will know whose we are and whose kingdom we pledge allegiance to by how we treat and how we respond to, how we serve and how we protect and how we forgive and how we talk about one another in the face of pain and injustice and evil. Because according to Jesus, our Heavenly Father would like for us to behave like Him, not just believe in Him. Friends, we can't avoid evil. And we cannot wish it away. We cannot merely legislate it away. But we can prepare for it. And we can withstand it. And evil actions and circumstances do not have to cause us to, to doubt and question the character of God. And when evil shows itself in this world, we don't have to, we don't have to stuff its mouth with wood chips. We can choose to pray and to love, understanding that both are active and not passive. And guys, I know there's so much more that needs to be said, but again, it's a complex issue. So let me close with this. Earlier I told you that Paul urged Christians not to be overcome by evil. But he finished that thought by saying, but overcome evil with good. You see, discipleship is more than just the absence of badness. It is the presence of active goodness. To be a Christ follower is to actively bless the world in Jesus' name. Guys, our country and our world, our city, our families, we have all seen evil this past week. How about this next week? Let someone see God's goodness through you. Will you join me in prayers? Prayers for those who are hurting. Prayers for those who have been impacted by unimaginable evil. Prayers for those who have responded to those situations and wondering what it is they're supposed to do. Prayers for those who are left behind. Prayers for those who have questions. Prayers for those who are angry. Prayers for those who are wanting to do something. Prayers for those who are doing something right now.
Father, we don't know the words. And we have joined with others in crying out to you this week. And we have asked questions and we have brought you our, our deepest concerns and fears and longings. God, we don't know the best things to say. We ask for your spirit to intercede for us. Our hearts break for the families who who now have one less. We weep for those who right now do not know what to do do not know where to go, do not know where to turn. Father, we ask for your peace, we ask for your comfort, we ask for your mighty presence to be felt in such a way that there will be no doubt of your concern, of your love, of your understanding of the situation. Father, we pray that you, would, that you would not only be a source of comfort for those who are hurting, but Father, that you would be a source of inspiration for those who are wondering what to do next. That for all of us, that, that we would respond in the midst of evil, that we would respond in a way that brings honor to you, that we would respond as, as your children and not children of this world. Father, allow our faith to be lived out. Allow us not just to believe in you, but to behave like you. Allow your character to be our character. May your words be our words. And may it be seen in the way in which not only we treat other people who are around us, but Father, in the way that we stand up for those who are hurting for the way in which we seek to protect the most vulnerable among us. Father, in the way in which we we strive to be light in this world. Don't allow that light to just to be something that we try to invent, but Father, allow that light to come from you. And Father, I pray that for, not only for our church family here, I pray for this city, I pray for our country, for this world, for individuals who are just feeling a helplessness of thinking that nothing ever changes and that, Father, nothing that they do matters. Father, I pray that we would be able to have faith in the empty tomb and that we would understand and we would recognize that, yes, things do change and, yes, we can overcome evil with good. And that, Father, there is justice coming. And that, Father, that you will set all things right. Now we have faith in you. And, Father, may we act like you. 
Father, we don't have the words. And so we ask that you listen to our hearts. In the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And so we pray. And then church, we go and we love. And that can be done in a number of different ways. But before you, you seek to speak or before you seek to act, make sure you are doing so through the lens of faith and through the lens of Jesus. But be active, not passive. Be the one who, with God, brings about the change that we need. Maybe it needs to start here in this room today. Maybe it needs to start by you being obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ and being baptized for the remission of your sins. Maybe it needs to begin by, by you repenting of things that have been taking place within your family, things that have been going on within your home, ways that you have been behaving at, at work or at school or in this community. Maybe you need to repent of things that you have posted on social media, things that you have said about others in the heat of the moment and just wanting to do something. Maybe you need to come and say, you know what, that's not what God desires of me. Guys, we can't avoid evil, but we can withstand it. And we will stand it together. Will you join me as together we stand in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, giving him praise and asking for him to be victorious.